Algar Productions. Despite the title, the following podcast is most decidedly not for kids. This is the Kids Love Batman podcast with your hosts, Matt Robotham and Ron Algar Watt. Episode 1, On Leather Wings and Christmas with the Joker. Hi, friends. It's it's time for the show. It's, it's time the, for the... It's the first episode. Yes. Sort of. Welcome to the to the Kids Love Batman podcast. I yeah. guess something we always forget to do on our other show that we should probably do here is tell you which voice is which. Yeah, we've never done that in 10 years. Yeah, 11 years. 11 years, God. Yes. So uh, why don't <clears> you start? Hi, I'm TV's Matt Robotham. Uh, you have been on television also. Yes, I have actually. Talking about superheroes, weirdly enough. Yeah. This, I, was this goes intervie- I was interviewed way, way once back. about uh, Captain Canuck, Canada's worst superhero. Canada's only superhero? No, we got Wolverine. No, I mean, there have been superheroes created in America who people then said were Canadian. That's oh, not yeah. the same. Like, created in Canada... By Canadians for Canadians. I Alpha Flight might might have been created by John Byrne, and he's Canadian. I'm not sure. No, oh, that's a shame. Also, I hate John Byrne. That's why it's a shame. Uh huh. Um. Anyway, I am Ron Algar Watt. Now, to be clear, I use my given name so that people know I'm not like hiding behind an alias. But pl- please, please don't call me Ron. That's yeah. Nobody, nobody calls me that. It's Al. Just, just say Al. It's okay. It's yeah. It's a, it's a name. Like every name you've heard of guys named Al. And yes, so that's us. We're Al and Matt. And we're Hello. here to talk about first Batman, later Superman. Superman. The Justice then League. We need to so figure forth. out the order after that. Yeah, it's, I'm a little shaky on that. I know there's there's lists. Also, I was reminded there is a show called Gotham Girls that I did not add to our list. Oh, that's was that wasn't that an internet uh yeah, it was a series of very brief webisodes in like the early two thousands. It was probably Flash. There was also uh, there was a Lobo one too. Was there? There was. It was a mature rated Lobo cartoon. Well, it might We're... not fit into this universe though. It might not be in canon. Oh, it's 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 lo- it's Superman's Lobo. Well, I'm okay with skipping it because I fucking hate Lobo. I am indifferent to Lobo, but. Uh, we'll see. I mean, that's that's way down the line. I hate Lobo so much. I know you do, it's honey. Such a terrible fucking character. <laughs> I you know, enjoy. You can him. tell he's tough because he uses the word bastitch. Yeah, but the whole point was he was making fun of like Wolverine and the Punisher and all those guys. Like, yeah, and that was fine until they started making one shots about him that just treated him as completely fucking serious. Yeah, but that's. You could say that about so many things. When Ugh. when people come up with an interesting thing and then everyone misses the point. It's kind of like how Star Trek is always about secret police now. Uh-huh. Because one show came up with an interesting idea and everyone else missed the point and kept doing it. hmm So, you know. All right. Let's get I on mean, with it. These are our axes that we're here to grind. Yes. Uh, we have Star Trek axes to grind over on our, our other show, The Post-Atomic Horror, which... Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are not aware, has reviewed the entirety of Star Trek, all of it, every yep, single thing. every episode, like right yes. up to the last one that you ju- that just came out. Mm-hmm. 
We have done everything from the 1966 pilot episode, The Cage, all the way up to the 13th episode, or 10th episode, excuse me, of Picard from a couple of weeks ago. So Whatever that was called. We uh, ran out of stuff, so that's why we're doing this. Yeah, now we're doing uh, the other show we really like. Mm -hmm. The other long, sprawling franchise shared universe. I'm very interested to crack into this because as much as I really, really like Star Trek, I really, really like superhero shit. Yeah, and this stuff has aged well. Mm-hmm. I've done a rewatch of 90% of this material, everything but Static Shock, which is kind of hard to find. Yeah. Uh, and it holds up. Like, there's a handful of episodes here and there I don't love, but yeah, sure. there's not, like, a long stretch. Like, there's no Enterprise. No, thank God. In this, in this you know, I I, like, I, I, I could not I could not Enterprise again. No, never again. All right, so let me start uh, the, the by custom... What we do is we read a summary of the episode, then we discuss it, then we read a summary of the other episode and discuss it. So if you haven't seen it, we we give you some context for the forthcoming discussion and give us an opportunity to make dumb jokes. So here we go with On Leather Wings. Possibly the greatest shared universe television has ever seen kicks off in, where else? Gotham City. Gotham is our stand-in for New York, except, wait, Metropolis is also New York. But that mild geographic confusion is nothing when compared to the absolute puzzler that is the temporal confusion of, as Riff Tracks once said, how a go is this? <laughs> Our opening shot, for example, is of a perfectly ordinary police blimp hovering high above a city so Art Deco that they actually received a cease and desist from a guy named Art Deco and, wait, don't go, I have better jokes than that, I promise. Okay, so blimps and bold geometric architecture. Definitely the 1930s. Right. Glad we got that sorted. So the crew of said blimp spots a terrifying bat monster soaring through the clouds nearby. Next, we see a security guard at a pharmaceutical company doing some shtick into a portable tape recorder, which puts us more in the 60s or maybe the 70s. Yes, technically magnetic tape was around in the 30s, but on a security guard's salary? Please. Later, Batman finds this tape and runs it through the bat computer because in addition to the wacky vocal hijinks, there's also the sound of a terrifying creature on that tape, which Batman runs through the voice recognition software in the Bat computer, which only really became a viable technology in the past decade or so, but okay, Bruce Wayne owns a tech company and is also very rich, so maybe he had it 20 years before, which would place this show at the earliest in the year it was released, or 1992. Okay, we could, and may, spend the next 10 years down this rabbit hole, and I've barely even talked about the actual plot, so let's get on with it, I suppose. Okay, giant Bat monster. The Gotham Police Department... Not, I should feel, I feel I should point out, the useless idiots from the 60s series, but a group of guys who seem to be trying their actual competent best, is convinced that it must be Batman who's suddenly twice the size he used to be and also robbing pharmaceutical companies. Sure, that tracks. That's on brand. Alright, when I say the GCPD, what I really mean is Harvey Bullock, the slobby schlub with a boner for arresting Batman. Jim Gordon's not having any of it. Unfortunately for Jim and for Batman, the mayor is completely behind Bullock as is the district attorney and fellow Harvey, Harvey Dent. That's a nice both, both halves of your face you have there, Harv. It'd be a real shame if something happened to one of them. <laughs> so, having successfully gone over Gordon's head, Bullock gets a squad together to stop Batman. Batman, meanwhile, is continuing to investigate these sightings of a mysterious bat creature. Oh-ho, the bat shoe is on the other bat foot now, old chum. After proving himself a far superior detective to any of those working under Gordon, a trait he actually does share with his 60s counterpart, Batman works out that someone's using those ill-gotten pharmaceutical chemicals to turn themselves into a bat creature. 
for science. It has to be science because he was really into the show Gargoyles and the world of Gargoyles cosplay is extremely competitive. Wouldn't track since Gargoyles wouldn't air for another two years. Unless this actually is 1994. I can't go back to that. I have a summary to summarize. Oh, uh, actually, I was almost done. Batman fights Science Bat, who I guess I forgot to mention is a dude with the incredibly solid comic book name Kirk Langstrom. Then Batman whips up an anti-man-bat antidote and quietly returns Langstrom to his science wife, where he'll be no terror at all. Very good. Thank you. This, this show rules. <laughs> this, as as we have remarked before, was an odd choice to start with. Yeah, um, who picks man-bat for your, for, like, this was, this was expected to be the pilot, as far as I know. Well, they actually gave, and I don't remember if it was, I think it was this episode, they gave it a, a primetime premiere. They like, did, and uh, I remember it premiered at, like, 5 o'clock. No, that was, I mean, primetime, like, 8 o'clock. Okay, it, it premiered at 5 o'clock where I lived in oh, Canada. Right. Oh, right, you're on the West Coast. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, this was, like, when, when grown-ups would be watching TV, is my mm-hmm. point. Um, actually, I found a quote from Bruce Tim who said, like, this was a deliberate choice. And this is, this is an exact quote from him. He said, Mambat was chosen specifically because he wasn't familiar to very many people outside of comic book fans. Nobody had any preconceived notions about him. It wasn't like the Joker where you had to deal with people expecting him to be Jack Nicholson or Cesar Romero. Mm. So, eh, that makes sense. Yeah, Mambat's like, what, 27th on Batman's list of rogues? I mean, I will have to defer to your superior comic book knowledge there. Mm. All I know is these shows, I've read a bit of DC Comics, but... Uh, like, mostly what I read was my friend's who's who. So, like, I know the characters, but I haven't read a lot of stories with them. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that was how I was as, like, a young kid. Or mm-hmm. not like a young, like, in my when I was 10. Yeah, I was about that age, too. Yeah. And, and then when I got... Go ahead. And then when I got money, I started, I started actually reading stuff. Yeah, you and I have talked about this at length. We were both those kids because we also read all the, like, the Star Trek books. Yeah, well, it's like... What, why bother buying the actual thing when you could read a book about the thing that that summarizes like 30 different stories? Yeah, for me, it was bang for buck. It was, yeah. I can read this one thing and get way more information that way, yeah. which is a real stupid way to look at it, but there yep. you go. So, okay, that kind of explains why they started with Man Bat. Plus, I think it establishes this world where, like, we're going to get into early on in the series, him fighting a lot of gangsters. There's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of street level stuff and it's good right out of the gate to say all this weird sci-fi shit has always been here like yeah. so it doesn't feel like wait a minute that's not the show we signed on for where he's just after Rupert Thorne mm-hmm. and occasionally the Joker like no there's there's Jekyll and Hyde bat monsters around too yeah and I mean, it's a good split and like mm-hmm. I talked about this when we did uh uh like the Incredible Hulk and uh 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 Greatest American Hero for on the other show, like I hated when it was when it was just gangsters. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, this is a great split. Like you get like you get like your mob episodes, but you also get the Joker or the Mad Hatter showing up pretty regularly. No, and what I liked was I, some of the mob episodes. I think we all agree were not the most interesting. But I mean, I still don't really care about Rupert Thorne if I'm being honest. Mm. There's some good Rupert Thorne episodes. I he's, think he's 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 not he's he's a very third rate kingpin. Mm, I don't know that I agree with that, but we will, like, I think it's better rather than disputing our hazy memories to mm. wait till we get to it and see sure. what we think then. Um, but what I like is 
when we have that sort of established, like, okay, this is the criminal underworld, and then it crosses over. Then you have the Joker interacting with Rupert Thorne. Then you Mm -hmm. have, like, and then it feels like, first of all, it feels like a a fully realized world, but second, yeah, the Joker's got to get his guns from somewhere. Sure. And I don't know, if the Penguin wants to run the city, he's got to overthrow somebody. You know, Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's a good... It's a good way to sort of like, uh, like you said, it's a it's a nice sort of like uh, mix. Yeah, and I like all that. You can have both. Mm-hmm. It's a big enough weird city for both. Yes, and the thing it has taken me. I mean, I came to this realization like ten years ago, but it took me a long time to realize Batman is one of those things that can be anything. Oh yeah, it took me years to realize Adam West Batman is just as valid as. Mm-hmm. As um, uh, Michael Keaton Batman, who's just as valid as Kevin Conroy Batman, who's just as valid as Christian Bale Batman. They're yeah. all they're all fine. It's one of the it, great things about Batman; he can do anything. And there there are other properties like that as well. Mm-hmm. But that said, this is the quintessential version for me. This is yeah. it's like nothing. There's no better Batman than this. Mm. Um. So where to begin? Yeah. Um. Do you well, want to? Okay. Let's so start with my I, good thing because it's literally the beginning. Yeah, let's, uh, well, I, I, again, for new listeners, uh, so typically what we would do on the other show, and we're carrying this over to here, is we each choose a good thing and a bad thing about each mm. episode. This will, this will provoke discussion. It will also force us in an episode where we're just, like, gushing with fanboy, you know, enthusiasm to say, wait. We can still look be at the, critical. Yeah, look at this critically. See if you can think of something you didn't like. Or, if it's a, if it's a real stinker, to, no, find something good to say about it. I, I am predicting a lot of cop-out animation errors from me. Yeah. yeah they did that thing where fair. they flipped the Batman logo again. Yeah, it's sure obvious. I hope somebody got fired for that blunder. <laughs> so, okay. So, that said, what was your good thing? Uh, so, since this is the first episode, I want to take a moment to discuss the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read this great thing uh, about the opening sequence of Batman. I think it was on Comics Alliance, which is a comic website I miss very badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that it tells you everything you need to know about Batman in about a minute. Batman's creepy. He's exciting. He beats the shit out of old-timey gangsters. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a like perfect little Batman adventure in under a minute. Yep. And, and it's, it's one of those. It's one of those openings... This this show ends up getting something like a hundred episodes, mm-hmm. and I never get tired. Like I never want to skip the intro ever. Yeah, because it's, it's awesome. Yeah, that's... and it's it's sort of extra stylized. Like the show is very stylized, but mm-hmm. even more so. Like with the shadows and the Art Deco and the you know, like the the unrealistic but super cool looking buildings. All of that yep. is just really dialed up. No, like when I was a kid, the show used to would air late in the like the Fox Kids lineup and when that WB logo shows up with that mm-hmm. like that used to send a chill down my spine man that's like that's some tiny tunes is over motherfucker we're getting serious now yeah the thing people probably don't realize is that uh, Warner Brothers, as an animation entity like tiny tunes I think was all that they had done to this point like oh yeah they obviously were famous back in the day, mm-hmm. like with the Looney Tunes shorts and so forth. But, and I'm sure, like, I'm sure someone like our friend Brian will chime in and say, well, actually, they were doing this or that. That's fine. But they weren't really a major presence on television. Disney was like the one yeah. to beat. I seem and, to remember, like, Tiny Tunes was sort of like their big comeback, you know? Yes. Like, uh, it was like, and it was like Steven Spielberg coming in and going, like, I think we should have an animation studio. Yeah. And then, um, 
Bruce Tim, if I remember correctly, worked on that show. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And got sort of got his foot in the door. I know he worked on other things before mm-hmm. that. I think he worked on He-Man and like like he'd been around for a while. Yeah. But this was his big like, hey guys, the Batman movies are the biggest thing since anything. Let's well, this is uh returns had just come out, I believe, when this when this launched. Yeah, yeah it came out this summer before the fall. Mm-hmm. So it was a perfect sort of like everyone's excited about more Batman. You know how it is when a big movie comes out and you yeah. want more of that thing. Yeah. Like it was you a go perfect back in time for a Batman movie. It, it was or for a Batman show. It was. And we'll talk about this, I think, more in the next one. Yeah. Like the idea of this being sort of a sequel. Sort of like it felt like it was supposed to be, but it was also its own thing. It's so its own thing. Yeah. Like, and they very quickly, like, over time, they will gradually sort of phase out the Danny Elfman music mm-hmm. for music that sounds and feels very similar, but is unique to this show. Yeah, I forget what the story with the the opening credits was. They used Danny, El- like the the actual producer, like used Danny Elfman's theme as like a jumping board or something like that. Well, it's it's a hugely iconic piece of music. Oh yeah, like like I looked over some music to use for the intro to this show for a bit and. Once I, I was like, oh, yeah, this music still gets me super excited. Like, yep. I I have had very mixed feelings about the movie over time. Sure. But that music is still, that's like, a, the greatest. That's, that's Batman. That's, yeah. that's what Batman sounds like. And I talked about this on Twitter a little bit, and somebody replied and said, there have been, like, every subsequent Batman theme has either deliberately tried to copy it or deliberately tried to push as far away from it as possible but either yep. way every theme is a reaction in some way to that yeah absolutely and yeah that tracks mm-hmm. and you wouldn't think in a world where dun 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 batman exists that anything would ever displace that yeah bad news dun 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 batman i mean that you know that's a pretty fucking great piece of music too yeah but it's it's number two sorry yeah yep sorry whoever wrote that probably and... some unpaid session musicians <laughs> What about this? Dun 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 a Batman. Yeah, it's about time for lunch. That'll do. <laughs> uh, so my good thing. Yes. Harvey Bullock is a real piece of shit. He sure fucking is. You know it. I know it. We all know it. But I forgot how he starts out as this cop with an actual good reputation who gets respect from the guys over Commissioner Gordon's head. Like it makes this one cop much more of a threat to Batman than we mm. believe he actually, like when we believe he could actually cause problems, like he gets a SWAT team. Yeah. He's like, Batman's out there causing problems. I want a chopper and 50 guys. And the mayor's like, done, do it. And later in the series and also a lot of times in the comics, he's kind of a joke or he's mm. kind of like a, a schlubby conspiracy theorist who's ranting about Batman and yeah. everyone around him's like, Oh, shut up, Harvey. <laughs> Such a but, weird choice to put in the show, too. He's like a, like a, not a one-off character, but a really not used character from, like, 70s Batman, you know? See, I like that because what I like is Batman mostly has an ally in the cops, but there's mm-hmm. some cops who don't, like, who don't appreciate him, who don't want him out there, and giving that attitude a face was a smart move, I think. I don't like having this Batman guy around. Really gets in the way of my solving three cl- crimes a week. Mm-hmm. Is he the Hitchcock or the Scully of this world? <laughs> or both? <laughs> no, I just, I don't know. I think, I think he's just, like, 
it's a really good idea for a character. It's similar to what they'll do with Lex Luthor later, mm-hmm. which is, I am a regular guy. I resent you because you have all these special abilities and you get to do whatever you want. Oh, and sure. Really like everybody loves it when Batman's around. But if I wear my underwear to the office, everybody yells at me. Uh-huh. But again, I like that he starts out as this competent cop. Yeah. Like he's he's got the mayor's respect. The mm-hmm. mayor's like, yeah, take care of it, man. And and Gordon, this guy, hey. this guy seems like he knows what he's talking about. And I like that. I like that he's like Batman's nemesis in this isn't mm-hmm. so much Man Bat as it is Harvey Bullock. Can, can, can we also take a moment to talk about the fact that this this cartoon opens with for uh, after the blimp attack, mm-hmm. which is traditionally how you open any cartoon. Oh, you got to start your cartoon with the blimp attack, obviously. Like this, this show opens with like. For four civil servants having a discussion in an office. Yeah, about police resources. Yeah, like the mayor, the commissioner, and the DA is there. And I can tell you right now, when I used to watch this show as a kid, I did not know what the fucking DA was. Mm-hmm. No, I'm and still only vaguely sure. It stands for dumbass. <laughs> oh, Two-Face, you dumbass. <laughs> well, now he's only half a dumbass. No, I, I also appreciate this show... Uh, laying some groundwork with Harvey Dent just kind of hanging around. Oh, it's so good. Like, later we'll get, you know, the origin where he turns into Two-Face, but yeah. for now, he's just a guy. Yeah. And I like that. Um, But yeah, you're right. The, the, the second scene is just four guys who are not superheroes or monsters hanging mm-hmm. out in a room talking about boring stuff. Yeah, like, what? Yeah. This is a cartoon, and it's 1992. This is supposed to be for children. And this is this there's is only the, one there's only one cartoon for adults and it's The Simpsons. Uh huh. This is this is the genesis of the name of our show exactly. and also a, a feature that we have uh, decided to include here, which mm-hmm. is kids love Batman. Yep. And we will not have one of these for every episode, but we will have them for many episodes. Mm-hmm. And what you have just mentioned is an excellent choice. Like four civil servants arguing about police resources. Yep, kids, kids love, love Batman. Batman. Uh, but mine is two scientists ducking into a spare office to make out. Like, <laughs> you you don't see that. Like, I was seventeen when this came out. Mm-hmm. I watched every cartoon there was up to this point, basically. Like, yep. I, for like the preceding fifteen years. Like, I, I'm very familiar with cartoons of this era. You don't see grown-ups kissing. You just don't. Like, grown-ups don't act like grown-ups. Mm-hmm. And it just, it it's such a small thing, but it really threw me. Like, who is this for? Yeah, no. The, those two people definitely just ran off to go fuck in a closet. Yeah. And also one of them is Ray from the real Ghostbusters. Well, that tracks because uh, Commissioner Gordon's got the Egon hair. He sure does. So, Or maybe Tintin hair. I've seen it compared to that, too. <laughs> um... But yeah, that's that's for this time. And there's there's a lot of mature themes mm-hmm. throughout the series that that it's just baffling. There's there's blood you pointed out. I yep. I missed it because it seems so normal to me now. But no, like actual blood in a cartoon. Um, there are actual guns that fire actual bullets. There was a uh, thing. My my wife Amanda and I are into old movies quite mm-hmm. a bit. We've watched a lot of movies from the 30s and 40s. And there was a thing called the Hayes Code that for bad a bunch of things in movies you're not allowed to see. Like, one of the dumb rules is you can't see a man and a woman in the same bed unless one of their feet is touching the floor. What? Yeah, because that way you know they're not lying in the bed together. What? 
Yeah. What? I know. I know. It, it was always fun to see people with their workarounds. I don't but, know how anyone got anything done ever. But no, here's here's where I'm going with this, and this will baffle you. Mm-hmm. Tommy guns were not allowed. All those okay. classic gangster movies from back then, like Jimmy Cagney and Edward G. Robinson and all those, never had a Tommy gun because they weren't allowed. Well, That's no. the image you think of. Yeah. Because real gangsters used them, but they were not allowed in movies. Maybe in movies before the code happened, but like when Hollywood got up and rolling, no Tommy guns. It must have been exclusively from Dick Tracy comics then. It could be. That's all I can think of. But this show has them. And it sure does. Like now being sort of steeped in one of the, the main sort of aesthetics, the, the era that they're channeling. You know, I made jokes about how ago this is, but there's a lot of like late 30s aesthetic in this. Mm. Only... It's like a movie from back then, except they get to have the real guns. Yeah. In a kid's cartoon. (laughs) Baffling. This is just baffling. And, like, I remember, like, I was watching, you know, like, I was watching the Fogs lineup at the time. Like, fucking X-Men could not get away with any of this shit. Yeah, well. And a lot of, of guns that shot lasers. What we've heard is that Bruce Timm and his guys always pitched 50 times darker than what got on the screen. Yeah. So that the network would finally relent and say, all, all right, here's, you know, you you can't have his blood, like, you can't have his guts spilling out when, when Man Bat, like, slashes at his chest. But uh, you could have one speck of blood. How about yeah. that? Oh, yeah, and, we'll take it. Yeah, I guess so. Yes, we got it. <laughs> got Which one over on you again, Bruce Tim. Mm-hmm. The poor standards. Of, well, I say the poor standards and practices, guys. Screw that guy. Yeah, but also, fine. Again, this may have been, apart from, as you say, The Simpsons, the first cartoon that was, it was good for kids, I guess, but Mm -hmm. it was not. Well, kids certainly watched it. I don't think it was made for kids. Yeah, I don't. Like. I can't imagine this being conceived as a children's cartoon. I just can't. Well, you and I are nine years apart in age, and sometimes this is relevant and sometimes it isn't. I don't think it's been more relevant than it is here, Mm -hmm. because when this show originally aired, you would have been eight, and yep. I was 17. Yep, that's about right. You were the target kid age that Fox wanted. Mm-hmm. I think I was the target age that Bruce Tim really wanted. Like, yeah. like actual adults. And mm-hmm. I, I was 17, but I had graduated high school and moved out, so I was, like, technically an adult. Like, I wasn't in any sense of the word. But, yeah, no. But, like, I was out on my own and had a job and paying rent and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I, was a, I was a grown-up, so, like... I, I think I was the real target audience for this show. I mean, that makes more sense. Me and everyone I knew, we were so excited about this. My friend Bob, who will actually be our first guest in a couple of weeks, hmm. um, sent me... He he had gone off to college. I did not. But hmm. uh, he uh, recorded uh, on Leather Wings on, like, the highest quality VHS he could get. And Bob's, like... He he has since become a video professional, but he's always been pretty good at this stuff. So he sure. he, he got, like, a really good copy of it off the TV for me and printed up a nice label and everything and mailed me a copy. He's like, here, if you missed it, you got to see this. Yeah. And like everyone my age was so excited about this. Yeah. This no, kid's I, cartoon. I No, I, I like, I remember just like, it's a new Batman cartoon and you know, Batman fever had recently re- receded. Like only just but not the, like but returns not that, was only. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but I mean, like official 1989 Batman fever, like yeah. shaving the bat signal into the back of your head, Batman. 
Right. But it was but, still pretty pretty big. Oh, yeah. No. Like I said, this is definitely the time for a Batman cartoon, and I was definitely the age to really want to watch it. Yeah. So as as sort of the two demographics that, like, we think the show was made for, we mm. both loved it. Like, yeah. we both loved it then at those ages as well as now as full-on grown-ups. And then, and then not long afterwards, I was forbidden to watch it for a few years. <laughs> that sounds about right. And I, I, I never got the vibe that your parents were particularly cruel about that kind of stuff. My, it just seems like a rough show. My mom would latch on to things like, specifically, like, this show gave my brother nightmares, famously. And <clears throat> Oh, yeah, so you said when, the end of it. when the Man-Bat transformation came specifically, yeah? Yeah, there was probably other stuff, too. There's some, uh, there's some pretty nasty stuff in the early, in the mm-hmm. early, like, the, the uh, Clayface episode was pretty bad, too. Really? Uh, well, if I'm remember remembering, that. it's like, I was eight. So like I no, said, it's I been it. a while. And just, also I wasn't the one having the nightmares. Yeah. But, but you still got punished. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. Our house was a, uh, fascist democracy, democracy. I don't think it was a democracy. Well, okay. I see what you mean. Yeah. Uh, what was your bad thing? Um, I, let's see here. The character of Dr. March is kind of a nothing for me. Like he shows up. Is extremely angry about bats. Uh, mm-hmm. Expositions a little bit, and then he vanishes. Like I feel like with another draft, this dude's dialogue could have given it been given entirely to Kirk and Fran- Francine, and it would have worked fine. I think the point of him was a misdirect. I think this old crotchety scientist who has opinions about bats. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to think he's the man bat, and then I... you find out it's actually the sinister looking handsome dude. Yeah. I can see that as a justification. I just don't think there's enough episode to spend on on that little mystery. Like, there's too much else going on for us to also be all like, but who is Man Bat? No, because to be honest, I had forgotten. Like, I haven't seen this episode in a while, sure. and I forgot. Because Man Bat's, yeah, let's be honest, not, not really a, a keeper. Like, <laughs> I'm not using valuable memory space to remember details about Man Bat. Unfortunately, uh, I remember everything about Man Bat. Well, you prioritize differently than I do. You guys talk about Man Bat, also known as Kirk Langstrom. Also, again, also, also known Kirk as the third-rate Kirk Connors. Uh huh. But I, I had forgotten who he was, and for a minute there, I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, right, it's this guy." And then it wasn't. It's like, okay, that kind of worked on me. Fair enough. You win this round, show. I get what you're saying. There's not much there. Also, anytime Kirk Langstrom fucks into a scene, it's just like, that guy's going to be a bat later on. See, what I thought, because this show will do this kind of thing, is that Kirk Langstrom, and again, Kirk Langstrom. Kirk Langstrom. Such a, such a lantern-jawed kind of name. It's, 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 a, it's a miracle his name isn't like Bat Batsworthy or something. <laughs> that is true. Um... But uh, I, I just assumed he was the, the shitty, like, guy who was, I don't know, stealing the money from under uh, Dr. March's mattress or something. Using the, pa- using the, using the power of turning into a bat, so I will steal this man's fortune. Oh, no, 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 no. I thought he was a normal guy, is what I'm saying. Oh, still, so, and that, I'll, still get shitty. Reven- I'll get yeah. revenge on this guy by turning into a bat and fucking him up. Exactly. That, that is definitely a template of story that this show will use. You know, March guns exist, too. Eh. Yeah, Tommy guns were allowed to have those here. <laughs> you can just shoot the crap out of this guy. Eh. So, my bad thing. Yes. 
After Batman saves one of the cops from another of the cops' dumb screw-ups, which mm. I believe he will be doing a lot of over the course of this series, uh, this particular cop throws a canister of uh, tear gas into a room full of flammable stuff, and I'm not entirely sure of the logic there, but whatever. Uh, the rescued cop wobbles on shaky legs, does a full-on vaudeville comedy feint, complete with... <sighs> that doesn't bother like, me. That kind, that kind of shit's very animated series for me. Uh, it's a little too wacky. Like, there's funny moments that work for me, uh, and then there's moments that are just a little too broad. Like, nah, you're you're better than... Also, this, sh- this episode is so moody. It's so... It is. Like, in a good way. Like, you get those great noir shadows and you get like not a ton of dialogue mm. and, like it's mostly batman punching a bat in the head and, <laughs> it sure is <laughs> 12 and, times and like in, in that respect it's a good choice for establishing the mood mm. so just sort of the, the suddenly the wacky comedy felt really out of place like in a different episode it might not but here it didn't feel quite right to me yeah it didn't bother that didn't bother me but i get where you're coming from yeah, I mean, I didn't agree with your Dr. March thing. Sometimes we disagree on things. It's okay. What? I know. We've come so far. We have. Uh, one other uh, feature that I I will sometimes do on this show until I get bored with it. Uh, I have this thing, like, I don't notice half the visuals. Matt's that guy. Uh-huh. He will spot things in the background 10 times out of 10, and I'll be like, wait, what scene are you even talking about? Mm. Was Batman in this show? <laughs> Who? But... I'm pretty good with my ears and pretty good specifically with recognizing like voice actors. And I, I, I just, I love doing it. It's a, it's a game that I love doing when I watch something animated. And in this particular episode, uh, Hey, it's that guy is what I'm calling this bit. Uh huh. Rene Albergenois TV's Odo as yep. Dr. March. <laughs> I'm watching you Kirk Langstrom. Now he did a bit of a different, like he's got his gravelly Odo sure. voice, but he was he was doing a bit of an accent, like mm. not a not a comedy accent, just like he was pronouncing his R's a little more, like this kind of a thing, and it was it was a little different. I love him doing the whole like, oh, and what would you do if there was a bat in your chimney, Mister Wayne? Destroy mm-hmm. it like a common insect? Don't yeah. you know that bats are the f- are the future? <laughs> See, that's what I mean about the fake out. Yeah. It's like, oh, this guy's the crazy bat scientist, obviously. This guy clearly wants to turn into a bat so he can have sex with that other bat. That was that was your working theory for why Man Bat did anything. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a great shot when his wife comes when his wife comes in and like Man Bat sort of looks up. He's perched on the desk he's trying to crush Batman with. He sort of looks over and just looks really embarrassed that his wife caught him as a bat. He's got that you caught the dog in the trash look. Uh-huh. Oh. It's a very, it's a very. Oh, honey, you walked in on me masturbating. Yeah, exactly. Just like, love Batman. Oh, jeez, Francine, I really hoped you wouldn't find out I'm a bat this way. And <laughs> that whole speech printed out. And, and that's what started your theory that he did this because he doesn't want to be with his human wife. No, he's gonna <laughs> he's, have an affair. He's trying with to his... impress some lady bat. <laughs> this bat that he owns. But I don't think he got that far. No. I don't think he was having an affair. I think he was trying to impress. He was trying to catch her eye. There's bits where he's sort of hanging around the lab, muttering to himself in that like mad scientist way. And just mm-hmm. kept picturing him like, soon I'll leave my horrible wife and run away with you, bat. I've been doing experiments on. Mm-hmm. Screechy, probably. I there's, don't know. There's close-ups on the bat's face, too, and it just looks sad and terrified. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, the other Hey, It's That Guy, which I didn't spot, but mm-hmm. I, I was looking at the credits, is uh, Clive Revel as Alfred 1.0. Like, later it'll be Ephraim Zimbalist, who is, you know, definitive, yeah. like like everyone, definitive version of the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clive Revel sort of uh, plays him like this, sort of, uh, this kind of thing. Uh, and uh, previously to me, he was the most famous for the original pre-special edition Palpatine, mm-hmm. uh, where he's like, Lord Vader, we have to stop. Uh, Luke Skywalker and then later they put fucking Ian McDermott in there because you, you gotta you gotta have the right sheave in there yep. obviously <laughs> yeah Lord Vader I don't believe that, for a second that, that Clive Revel fucks probably not <laughs> Ian McDermott though oh yeah yes yes good <laughs> soon I will dangle from a big portal hook thing mm-hmm Oh, now imagine if Ian McDiarmid was uh, was Alfred. Oh. <laughs> Very good, Master Bruce. <laughs> yes, yes, catch the Joker. Here's your tea, Master Bruce. Oh, I'm afraid that mobile <laughs> will be quite operational when Robin arrives. Oh, very good. It's my favorite. Right. My favorite sheave line. That's a good sheave line. From a lot of good sheave lines to choose from. Uh huh. All right. Uh, anything else about this one? I think that's everything. Oh, uh, one last note. One mm-hmm. of the cops is reading a book called P.S. Your Dog is Gone. <laughs> and just, excuse me? I Googled that, and there's a book called P.S. Your Dog is Dead. Okay. Or, or Your Cat is Dead, rather. And okay. I think it was I think it was a goof on that. Why? I could not say. That is ju- that's just weird. That's a weird choice, but fine. That is, that is yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of weird choices. Uh-huh. Let us press forward, and why don't you tell us what happens in Christmas with the Joker? Alrighty. It's Christmas time in Gotham City. Mom <laughs> cooking chicken and collard greens. But not all is well for our fair city, as the Joker escapes from Arkham Asylum, and possibly his own death in the hit 1989 movie Batman, by flying through a skylight on a giant rocket Christmas tree. He also invents the song Jingle Bell's Batman Smells, so I hope that goes real well, well for him as, as when he tried to copyright Smiling Fish. <laughs> Meanwhile, Robin, who is in this show, really doesn't want to be out doing Batman shit on Christmas Eve. Batman, it's Christmas, he says. Robin, Batman says, it's the Joker. He's like the worst one. This ain't some man-bat shit or something. <laughs> After an uneventful evening of no crime, the dynamic duo return to Stately Wayne Manor for Christmas Goose with Alfred and the first five minutes of It's a Wonderful Life, which Robin is shocked to hear Batman has never seen. As a longtime Batman fan, I can confirm that Batman has seen three movies. The Mark of Zorro, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest because he thought it was about the Penguin, and The Black Glove starring Mangrove Pierce. Yeah, we get into deep Batman references on this podcast. Unfortunately, the Joker appears on TV to confirm that he has kidnapped Commissioner Gordon, Detective Bullock, and a woman who will probably be important later. And Batman and Robin have to stop a train from crashing, which fucking rules. Hey, Batman, how are you going to start your new animated series? Well, I thought I might do some cool Superman shit, actually. This show is awesome. The boys save the train passengers, but they still don't know where the Joker is, so it's a good thing that that guy never shuts up. He appears on TV again with his new sidekick, his own hand with a mouth drawn on it. This character is not as good as Harley Quinn, I will tell you that right now. Batman watches the Joker terrorize a cardboard city with a baby doll, and then deduces that those types of dolls are only available at the old abandoned Laffo Funno Joker Lives Here O factory just outside of town. <laughs> also, the building has a giant clown face on it. 
They get attacked by a bunch of toys with guns on them, oversized toy soldiers, and Joker robots before Batman finally reaches the Joker and beats the shit out of him. Because at the end of the day, Joker is a weedy pale guy in a purple suit, and Batman is Batman. And the boys go home and watch It's a Wonderful Life, which Batman rates as better than Mark of Zorro in as far as parents getting killed at the end of it goes. I don't watch movies anymore. Bad things happen. <laughs> I think maybe I'll just stick to TV and puppet shows. <laughs> also, Joker is a weedy pale guy in a purple suit, but mm -hmm. he also... I, I love the interpretation of him that he has Roger Rabbit powers, which is he suddenly gets crazy strength when it's funny. <laughs> That's not bad. Yeah. I always liked, like, the Joker's whole deal is, like, the planning is really good, and he can get yeah. you with, like, like plans and shit. But if Batman actually gets his hands on him, he's going to knock his fucking teeth out. Mm, there's been times where he holds his own in a fist fight for a few minutes, and I've always liked that, like, sort of like what I just said, but more like he gets a rush of adrenaline mm -hmm. at weird moments, and... He, you know, it's part of his unpredictability. Sure. Oh, right. This guy knows how to fight sometimes, but then oh, sometimes he'll just throw a pie at you. Who yeah. knows? Oh, it's time to beat the shit out of you. Yeah. And sometimes he'll grab a big fucking clown hammer. You just, you never uh -huh. know. Um. So this one famously, well, famous among nerds like us. I don't know mm. if everyone knows this. Originally, Tim Curry was going to play the Joker. Yeah. I can see that casting. It's just. It, like, it wouldn't have been as good. Mark Hamill, and we'll get to this, fucking owns this character. Well, this is your good thing, yeah? Yeah, I mean, like, first period. Oh, no, the, sorry. You're, you're talking this about This part of my good thing, but, I mean, I can get okay. into this. I, I, I didn't want to get into him, Mark Hamill owning the Joker because we're not quite there yet. This is a different script, and he's sort of, like... You know, he's he's still getting into the character, but well, like, and they had to they had to record the episode like they recorded the episode with Tim Curry. And when they decided not to use him, mm. they had already animated to his read. Yeah. So one of the harder things voice actors in animation have to do is uh, retakes like um, uh, uh, what do you call it? ADR, mm. where you have to match the lip sync of the animation exactly. So you can't really for a character like the Joker, who's part of his charm is the unpredictable delivery he had he was really boxed in because he had to match yeah. what the character was doing on screen so even given that he did a great job i think yeah but like we're gonna get like we're this show gives us the definitive batman and it gives us the definitive joker basically yes like i've seen thousands of other renditions of these characters over the years like in mm -hmm. various types of things and these two these are the guys right here mm -hmm. like to the point where they brought them both back for the Arkham games, which I love, and yeah. are were just amazing in them. Mm -hmm. No, he's he's fantastic, and yeah. at the time, like we were all thinking, Mark Hamill, Luke yeah. Skywalker, Mark Hamill. It was what? a it was a really weird choice because like like it, Mark Hamill hadn't done a whole lot of work since Star Wars that I am familiar. Yeah, with. Yeah, and Return of the Jedi was nineteen eighty three, so you're talking almost a decade later. Yeah, you, you figured he just went back to work at Foot Locker, you know, like like, like I th the things I remember from the time were he was he played the trickster on one episode of the Flash. Oh yeah, the old Flash. Yeah, which would have been around this time, actually. Yeah, like early '90s. And I think he was working on some comic because this is also in the middle of the 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 comics boom. I think he was working on some comic for Dark Horse or something. Mm -hmm. And like that Could was be. it. And I remember with both, it's like really Luke Skywalker is the trickster on the Flash, and also working on a comic book. Okay, he, 
it, it turned out, and we all found this out when they did sort of behind the scenes stuff, you know, in, I don't know, Starlog or mm. Wizard Comic, you know, Wizard Magazine or whatever. Like, he was a huge nerd. He was always into the stuff. He was yeah. steeped in the comics. So when he came into audition, he had all this extra Joker knowledge yeah. in addition to a, a fantastic vocal range. Mm-hmm. And everyone will say this, and we might as well just get it out of the way now, that fucking laugh. Yup. Like... It's amazing. It's I read so a quote good. from him that said he thinks of the Joker's laugh as an instrument and he plays sort of different notes on it. So like he's got like 10 different laughs of different like intensities and he mm-hmm. he pulls out two or three of them here. And he's the full on. <laughs> of course, that's the best one. But yeah. he's got a lot of different. And so good. I never noticed that. But yeah, it's fantastic. And actually, I want to back up real quick yeah. because and talk about Kevin Conroy for a minute. Mm hmm who this baffles me, this just floors me, was the first voice actor to ever consider giving Bruce Wayne and Batman different voices. Yeah, like... L- like, uh, Michael Keaton did it a bit. Yeah. In in his live-action portrayal, and maybe there's other live-action versions, but no one who had ever voiced Batman ever thought, oh, right, these are... Di-. Like, in his head, they're different guys. Yeah. And also, <laughs> Bruce is a disguise, so he's got a... You know, it's like Clark's glasses. He's got to work at it to, you know. There's a, there's a great moment in the first episode where he's on the phone with uh what's with uh Rene Abajunois, mm-hmm. and he's ah how you doing uh, Doc? Well, you here back? Wayne here. Yeah. yeah, pleasure to hear from you. I'm just here talking about the bats in my in my chimney. All right, I'll talk to you later. He hangs up, turns to Alfred, and goes, "Well, that was weird." Yeah, and the voice isn't quite there just yet because Kevin Conroy has. It, literally doing that voice this week. He is doing a dramatic mm-hmm. reading of the new comic that they're yep. doing. Like, right now in April of 2020. So, like, he's been doing this character for a while. Yeah, but... he was just on the uh, the, the 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 WB crossover. As oh, right. He played old Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's um, amazing. Yeah. But, like, it's it's pretty close to being there already and, and just very, very good. Yeah. But I didn't realize I, I, I misread your good thing is actually more music oriented. Yeah, yeah. Um this is also the first appearance of the Joker theme, which I love. Um it's also my quote. Um I don't do this too often, but you know, new show I kinda and the music on this show is so fucking amazing. Yes. Um I just wanted to take a moment and just like play the Joker theme. <laughs> I actually realized I didn't do my quote for the previous episode. Oh, wow. It wasn't anything, so we're just going to move past that. Fair enough. I so many new features in this show. I I got I got confused. Um, my good thing. Yes. So, the Joker's shtick in this one was largely uninspired. It's a lot of mm-hmm. like like you said, li- living in a clown warehouse with clowns on it that says Joker lives here. <laughs> but Batman taking a pie to the face was great. I le- it legitimately made me laugh because when you open one of those gift wrapped Joker packages, mm-hmm. it could be a bomb, it could be Joker gas, it could be a a flag that says "bang." You, Robin you literally never... is is like careful, Batman. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, and taking a pie to the face, I seriously didn't see. It. Like, it's a tired old vaudeville bit, but it worked for me. I'm a guy who's actually taken a pie to the face on stage, courtesy of Matt here. Hi. And 
I can say with some authority that this gag still works. It was, I, it was, and the, the anger as, as Batman like angrily claws the pie out of his eye and scowls and grits his teeth and like, and, you son of a bitch. And Joker's just losing it too. Just, yeah. I love a, the, I can't stand it. That's such a good, like you've boiled down Joker and Batman to what they are, I, which is maybe it's dangerous, yeah. but this time it happens to be foolish nonsense and I'm going to fucking kill you for that. Yeah. I the only thing that would have made this episode better for me is after Batman takes the pie in the face, Joker's like, "Okay, that's it. I'm going home now." Yeah, that was my Christmas present to myself. I'll go back to Arkham willingly. I did all this shit, spent over eight million dollars to get you here, and I, it was all just to get you to get a pie in the face. I'm done now. Merry Christmas. I'm going home. That would completely be on brand, is the thing. Yeah, he would engineer an escape from Arkham and then go back. Mission accomplished. Yep. So, uh, that was a good Christmas for me. My the the only God, the thing Joker I've been, voice is fun to do. Yeah, it is. Um, the only thing that I wish you know, and again, it's hard to get away with. Like they get away with everything they possibly can, but if they'd managed to dial up the menace a little more, mm. like I know you're supposed to be scared of the Joker, but also it's a kids' cartoon and he can't actually kill anyone, so it mostly just felt like he was being goofy and that was it. I mean, this is kind of my bad thing. Like, the show's not as much as I usually expect from Batman the Animated Series. Like, mm-hmm. the the plot's just not much of anything. It's literally Christmas with the Joker. Like, yep. this the, the the one the thing I got most out of this is that it felt very much like an updated uh, Batman sixty six episode. Well, and this is one of the first ones they did, and I absolutely like. Early on, we'll see a lot of writers that we know from other things, mm-hmm. like uh, just jobbing animation writers and i think i i mean i don't know about this particular one but i think they took a lot of specs and probably before the series launched they might have had a bible but they probably didn't get the the tone and this guy maybe mostly what he knew about batman was batman 66 you know what i mean like oh definitely here's the joker right this Mm. is caesar romero doing goofy shit only it's a cartoon so we can do like a train and things but it's still you know like it's just like you know joker's got a plot Here's some death traps. Like it's ve- it it felt very Batman sixty six, just very Pat Batman. This is a this is a perfect unit of a Batman story. But apart from the Tim Burton movies, mm-hmm. which had gone some length to to make people think of Batman a little differently, that still was the prevailing opinion sure. of Batman. Like if you had asked my parents in nineteen ninety two, "What's Batman like?" they would have described that show to you. Yep. Like anyone who sort of grew up in the '60s, just that's that's Batman, and so mm. probably I'm I, again I'm guessing, but it feels like this writer probably just threw together what he thought was a decent Batman story, sure. and it doesn't really fit in this series. No, it's just it's it's fine, you know. But it's, it yeah. it feels it feels like it feels like a standard kids show, basically, you know. Also, yeah, I, Robin being there is weird. I'm trying to figure this out. We talked about this before when mm-hmm. we were when we were watching the episode together. Robin gets an origin story. I believe it's a two-parter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you th- you said it was a flashback. I'm pretty sure it's been years, but I'm pretty sure it was a flat. It was a flashback. Okay, that Here's sort my... of ties into what's happening now. Like something yeah. from his past comes back. I I think you may be thinking of a different episode, and here's why. Mm. Two Face is directly responsible for killing Robin's parents. Two Face does not exist yet. That's true. So I don't think Robin exists yet. I think they they showed an episode out of order maybe because they wanted to introduce the Joker early on. Well, I could definitely see them wanting to introduce the Joker and Robin 
early on, and this is a good way to do that. Like I both think, in this episode. I mean, if it if it were me, and I'm very rarely going to second guess this creative team because they know what the fuck they are doing. Mm-hmm. But if it were me, I would show some Batman solo adventures for the first half of the season. See, that's the th- that's what I thought they did. I was shocked that this is the second episode. Yeah, and then you bring in Dick Grayson, this like orphan who needs revenge against his parents killers mm-hmm. and Batman you know Bruce adopts him and you know that whole story like yeah. and then Robin's there but I mean all of that said I don't care that much there there will eventually be a rich, rich tapestry of continuity but mm-hmm. eh, they showed an episode out of order is all that happened it's not well, that big of a deal the, th- the thing with this show and the thing that I like is everything's already established like the first mm-hmm. the pilot is not about like the first adventures of batman or whatever like no, because come on everyone knows who batman yeah is. exactly it's just you get the feeling this has been happening for a while and like bringing robin in like i think what the justification there is that he's usually at college yeah like he used I don't, to be he mm, used to be robin mm, but he can't he can't robin as much anymore because he's I in college don't i think that's later i might be wrong but i, I think just, He's high school aged, right? I now. remember there's a there's a scarecrow episode that's set at Robin's college. Like I think No, 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 I know I know he will absolutely go to college later, yeah. but that's that's when Barbara comes into the picture. I oh, think okay. earlier on. I think earlier on he's in high school. I might be wrong about that. Okay. But I it's, feel like, like I said, he's, it's been a while. I feel like he's about sixteen here mm. though. But maybe not. Who knows? Um so my bad thing yeah, speaking of Robin. Yeah. This is a problem I have in every Christmas story. People like Robin going on and on about how we should all just have a fucking candy cane and enjoy some jolly Christmas cheer. Like, man, the Joker is loose. That guy's a mass murderer. Shut up and do your job, Robin. Sometimes things are more important than Jesus. If there's one philosophy for our uh, for our uh, podcast programs, it's probably that. I mean, you you are a Christmas guy. You like Christmas. I, I am I... not a fan, but... Regardless, stay on topic, man. Yeah, like, I get this philosophy if, you know, it's a slow night. And, you know, they're having a, they're having a slow night on Christmas, regard, like, without the, without the Joker being around. But, like, the dude just made a video. Like, you know he escaped from Arkham Asylum. You should probably figure out where, what he's doing. He's probably out with his family. Excuse me? Yeah. No, that guy murdered his family if they even exist. Yeah, like... Or murdered some family he said was his family, and it turned out they're not. Yeah. Robin's, Robin is very bored with doing any Batman shit this week, and that is not that is not a philosophy I understand at all. Uh, I could see an argument for Robin is a child who was adopted by the richest man in town, and he wants to open his Christmas presents. <laughs> wow, Super Nintendo. Yeah. It's not even released yet. <laughs> I got this from Japan. Ooh. Uh huh. Remember when I got you Mario Three two years before it was released here? Fred Savage was so jealous. Bruce Wayne, best dad. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Wait till we get to uh, Batman Beyond. We will see all of those, uh, all of those chickens coming home to roost. Oh man. <laughs> uh, we'll see it in this series when he goes on to be Nightwing. I mean, yeah. He's already very resentful. Um, oh God! I just remembered this night. This Nightwing has Dick's long hippie hair. Mm-hmm. No, he's got a mullet. Is what he's got. Yep. Not not a look I'm a fan of. Oh, I love and I and I, I love Nightwing. I the thing is, I don't. I I like that Nightwing exists as a character. He's important to the dynamic. Mm. 
the dynamic duo if you won't. Sure. Um, but what I do like is like, I like his, I like what he represents. Mm. I like that he's Batman's petulant late teens, early twenties kid that he fucked up on. And now he's got a new Robin and he's going to get it right this time, but it's too late because he already fucked up this one kid. And now you're just going to do it again, Bruce, just mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And he's, I believe he's even got some conversations with Tim where he's like, you gotta, you gotta get out of this. You gotta look, it's not safe there. I know you think you're having fun, but trust me. Look at Dick. Ah. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Dick's saying that to him. Yeah. Like you, you need to leave. It <laughs> just takes him aside. Run. I mean, even even in the comics, their take was like everything was all dark and serious. And then Bruce was out of the picture for a while. Dick mm. was Batman and had so much fun with Damien. Yep. Those comics rule. I know. Because it's like, finally, like th- that old man's not here to just like make everything somber. Like, no, this is this is important work, but it can be fun. Everybody, everybody shut up. The Joker's back in town. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're going to stop the Joker, but also, come on, man. Yeah. (laughs) Damien just brought home a cow. That's goofy, right? That's fun. I'm going to call him Bat Cow. Okay. Let's get rules. (laughs) Uh, The new Harley Quinn show that I'm weirdly enjoying. Uh uh, The the Robin on that is actually Damien. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Damien is such a a weird character to put into anything that's not Batman comics because his backstory is insane. Yeah, they don't... I mean, he calls Batman dad, but other than that, they don't really talk about it. Yeah, him. it's just like... Like, if you yeah, dig I into know. anything about Damien's backstory, just, wow, okay. They 100% could have pulled it off in this in this series, though. Oh, easily, after you bring... Talia's uh, around. Yeah, after you bring Ross in, yeah. Yeah. Which, they will call him Raish, but we have heard in more recent times that it should be Roz. So. Yeah. That'll be fun going back and forth on that one. Uh, what else? Uh, let's kind of stop talking about the Joker. <laughs> uh, little bit of my notes here. So far, there is only one woman on this show. Yep. Don't know what her name is. She's worried about her mother on a train. Isn't that Summer Gleason? Uh, yeah, she's the news reporter. Yeah. Yeah. Who Sh- I, like shocked well, she wasn't Vicky Vale? Considering well, the... I thought about this. Mm. First of all, Vicky Vale sucked. Yeah. But apart from that, like the that movie version of her, I'm sure they could have made it. Well, Vicky Vale in general has never been great. Like the only thing she's known for is like being in the movies, you know? Yeah, being Kim Basinger and screaming a lot. Yeah, like Batman's never had like a Lois Lane type that's ever sort of worked. No, I get that they wanted to give him a love interest, and it wasn't time for Catwoman yet. Yeah, but um, I think like apart from that, she's a TV reporter, which is different than a newspaper reporter. Mm. Like, I mean, sure, because. Batman, you know, Bruce turns on the the giant TV in the Batcave and finds out what the Penguin's up to, and you need someone to do that, so why not her? Yeah, the only newspaper reporter who's also a TV reporter was Clark Kent in the 70s. Right, and that was a weird direction. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, isn't he now like a blogger who's also a newspaper reporter? I don't think he's a blogger anymore. I'm not sure anymore now, because he's out as, like, uh, Clark Kent again. Right, but there's... Uh, what I'm saying is over time mm-hmm. they've tried to acknowledge that print newspapers aren't the new hotness, but at sure. the same time, he still has to be one. So no. like, it's a weird needle they're trying to thread there. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I I, I'm way behind on my, on my Superman. I've read a bit of since he unmasked or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like figuratively unmasked just cause I thought that was an interesting direction in it so far just reads like several other Bendis stories where he did that. Like with, 
Ultimate Spider-Man or Daredevil. Yeah, he loves that shit, man. Yeah, and 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was an interesting thing. Like, let's blow up this old idea that mm. has been in comics forever. But now it's like, you did this already, man. Yeah. You did it over at Marvel years ago. Yeah. All right. Anything else about this episode? I feel like the fact that we keep straying is because nah, there's not probably, much to talk about. There's not, it's, not mu- it's not much, you know? No, it's it was, you know. It's that's the thing. Even the duds on this show are okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we'll see. Some... We got Batman in, our ba- it is in my basement coming up. We'll see. I don't remember that one. My go-to bad episode is the one with the evil farm animals, but that's almost at the very end. Yeah. So we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's it. Yeah. I think that's all for this time. So uh, our website is kidslovebatman.com. Uh, right now, there's not much there. Like no. our archives consist of this episode and the one brief intro episode we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there there will be more stuff there as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, we are on Twitter, uh, at Algar, at Robot Matt. Yep. Uh, we, we talk a lot to each other about Pretty much stuff. exclusively. Yeah, just yeah, That's like... I know a lot of people spread themselves pretty thin across social media. We pretty much focus on the one platform. Yeah. So if you wanna if you wanna hear what we have to say, that's that's the best place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. I haven't set up an email address yet. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Uh, if if you have anything you want to say to us, you can use the old show's address for now: postatomichorror at gmail. Yeah, and if you want, if you haven't and you want to listen to us talk about uh, Star Trek, you know we have the postatomic horror that you can listen to. Yeah, we covered the entirety of the franchise. We just stopped at episode f- 400 and something. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a good backlog to, to keep you busy for a bit. Uh, next week, we do not have a guest. And the episodes are, I should have this ready, uh, Nothing to Fear, which maybe a Scarecrow episode? I, I don't remember. Episode. I'm, I'm, I'm looking, guessing. I'm looking at the, the cover right now and it looks ah. like a Scarecrow episode. And The Last Laugh, which maybe another Joker? I assume another Joker episode. I know they hit it pretty hard early on, but that's, you gotta. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the Joker. I mean, and, that's the guy. Yeah, exactly. And a few episodes later, we have one called Be a Clown. Uh-huh. So, you know. Uh, but yeah, that's all for this time. And we will be back next week same bat time no i'm not doing that (laughs) same bad podcast yeah so uh you can you can say your thing all right see you folks for more information about this show and the people who make it visit kidslovebatman.com to provide financial support for this show and all of the shows produced by Algar Productions, consider a pledge at patreon.com Algar. That's double A-L-G-A-R. The Kids Love Batman podcast is a co-production of Matt Robotham and Ron Algar Watt. Copyright 2020, Algar Productions. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.